As we all are very much aware, COVID-19 is affecting everyone's lives around the world. COVID-19 is a new strain that was discovered in 2019 and has not been previously identified in humans. There's so much information out there, some is factual and some is misleading, and this leaves us with a lot of questions, but I believe it's important to speak on how it might be affecting the autism community specifically. How do we help families who live with autism and disabilities? How do we help them cope with every day during this trying time? How do we explain this current situation to our children? Stay tuned to listen to today's guest as she offers some insightful information that may benefit you and your family. Welcome to My Autism Tribe, an organization of advocates that are educating, supporting, and empowering those in our communities. We are one voice made stronger. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Today's guest is Amy Kelly. She's the mother to Danny, Annie, and Ryan. Her daughter Annie is diagnosed with moderate to severe autism, verbal apraxia, intellectual and developmental disabilities, and general anxiety disorder. Amy is the National Director of Family Engagement for Devereux Advanced Behavioral Health, one of the nation's oldest and largest nonprofit providers of behavioral health care, and she also serves as a family representative on several special needs boards in the community, both locally and nationally. In addition to all this, she participates with other patients and families in efforts supported by the American Board of Pediatrics Foundation to address children with special needs and the importance of quality care. She's quite the busy lady and sounds like she's going to be able to share some really good stuff with us. Amy, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. I know that you're a wealth of information. You've been in this game for quite some time and have been leading the force of Devereaux and you reached out and just, you have so much information to share. And I thought now more than ever is the time that we could use this helpful information and the resources that you have uh, during just kind of this craziness going on. So thanks so much for your time. It's really appreciated. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Devereaux has a wonderful workforce. Um, I'm not leading the force by any means. I'm just one of the contributors, but we have a wonderful organization that's really trying to get a handle on all of this. Well, you make a really good point. I don't think there's just one specific person in this whole thing that's keeping all of us together. It's just kind of a a community, a team of people that are keeping the machines going. And so that's really crucial. Why don't you share a little about your backstory, first and foremost, a little of your personal story. I know that you have a daughter that's on the spectrum, and I shared to our listeners a little bit about that, but how long have you been in this game? Sure. So my autism journey started back in 2003 when I started having my daughter, Annie, um, assessed for developmental delays. I had no idea it could even be autism. That was not... Um, even something on my radar at the time, but um, the day before she turned two uh, on January 8th, 2004, I'll never forget, uh, she was given the diagnosis of autism. And and then through our journey, she was diagnosed with um, general anxiety disorder, verbal apraxia, and also um, intellectual and developmental disabilities. So she's a nice little ball of wax, but I I will tell you she's turned out to be quite... um, a remarkable young woman who just is inspiring and um, so resilient. She's my, one of my heroes for sure. Absolutely. I think all of our kids are our yeah. heroes. And, you know, with 
everything to the challenges that they have every single day, uh, even when the world seems to be right. They um, have many challenges that really just kind of leave me in awe about just how resilient they are. So many, especially with with the kiddos and and the individuals that have anxiety too. A lot of this talk about the pandemic brings about a lot of worry. And even for us caregivers that are going through the daily challenges and trying to find our new sense of normal, there are a lot of different things that I think that the families and the caregivers can do um, to help kind of ease some of that anxiety with the individuals that are on the spectrum and then ourselves as well. And you wrote a wonderful article that I'm going to actually post on the My Autism Tribe website and then also in social media. You wrote an amazing article um, about how to help families with special needs during this time of crisis and unprecedented and uncertain times. And so I want you to kind of share a little bit about um, some of these things and you make it very simple and easy, even with bullet points, which I think is, is really kind of nice to have just kind of bullet points to go through. And so I really want to share this with uh, all of the listeners there. And could you share some of these important tips with people? Sure, sure. Thank you for the compliment. Um, So at at Devereaux, I serve as National um, Director of Family Engagement. And what we're finding, because we serve such a large population in 13 states um, across the United States, we're finding we are running into the need for resources more than ever for our families. you know, we serve ages, birth through end of life, and all different kinds of programs, including community services and education, autism-specific programs, residential programs, and many of these programs are on hold right now, or if um, our individuals are in a residential center, they're unable to have that outside contact with their families like they normally would. So we have some other resources for those families to be able to stay in touch with their individuals. For someone like my daughter who has an autism-specific approved private school, uh, her school is closed right now, and so are all of her wraparound and um, sort of uh, additional services that happen after school or on the weekends because of all of this. So it's really important uh, for our families to continue to have some sort of routine. And um, so my article talks a lot about things that we can do to cope in the immediacy of this because this is such an unprecedented time and an even more trying time for our families who live with someone with autism. So um, the first thing I suggest, and you know, I am balancing this myself as a mom, but remain calm. We all are nervous about all this and things are changing moment to moment, but we do know no matter uh, what, that all of our children are sort of intuitively tied into uh, our you know, reactions and our feelings. And so I think the more you can portray calmness and sort of assuredness, that will give a sense of stability in and of itself. If you need to see your own therapist or telehealth with your own therapist, I think that's a healthy thing to do. But right now it's really important to be acting calm. Um, Then we want to think about having conversations with our individuals who do have autism and that understand some you know, they may understand a great bit of this, or they may understand not very much. I hear your little guy in the back. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, it's, it's no this problem. is one of the challenges right. of 
Absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. We all have to work from home if we can right now. And, um, you know, I, I understand that I'm fortunate to have a babysitter that can come and help me who um, is still able to come and do that right now. But without her help, I wouldn't be able to have an uninterrupted conversation with you either. So um, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it is, you know, as far as like the remaining calm, so many of us are, well, most of us are at home and, you know, we're, we're trying to remain calm. And um, a lot of the, my gosh, you know, we hear so much of limit screen time and things like that. And I believe that my son is currently on his 100th episode of Pokemon right now. <laughs> yes. So exactly. it's like I'm trying to figure out how to yeah. balance those feelings of mom guilt as well because oh just trying gosh. to balance everything. Yeah. Mom guilt is never ending. I, I'm convinced. Annie is now 18 and I still have it all the time. And um, I think that's a, a daily struggle for caregivers, mom or dad guilt, right? Depending on, you know, um, who who is caring for the the person. But yeah, uh, and I think so. One great thing you just did was kind of forgive yourself for not having things go quote perfect, right? And I think that's part of this too. Is we have to realize this is going to just take shape as we go. And if our kids interrupt us, then that's okay, no big deal. That's you know? right. And so I don't know about you, I, um, your son, how old is he? He's six and a half. Six and a half. And I can hear he's verbal and he probably has some questions. One of the things, so my daughter, Annie, is minimally verbal, has some speech, but uses an iPad primarily to communicate. She hasn't quite picked up on um, that this is a pandemic and that there, there's a virus or a sickness um, she does understand though that things are different and that schedules are different and she's not quite sure why she has two weeks of no school. And so mm -hmm. she keeps kind of questioning about that. But I think looking at what your, um, kiddo or adult is asking you about, and then to the level that's developmentally appropriate, having a conversation with them about, you know, that this is um, a new virus and that it's something that we don't, we, we have to be careful of, but we don't need to panic about and kind of, um, giving information to them in that developmentally appropriate way. So, you know, short, honest answers, not too much information. And then um, on in this article and on our website, we do have a couple social stories that you can use if your child or adult responds to visuals. Annie really responds well to visuals. So help, having those as a tool for me to explain things to her is a really good idea. Have you had to talk with your son about this a little bit? Yeah, I have. Um, and kind of, I think, you know, some of it has to do with his age too, because at the age of six years old, there's only so much that they've been exposed to that they can really right. wrap their head around or compare to. And so a lot of the social stories that I've used have just been talking about how people are sick and, yeah. you know, not even using COVID-19 or pandemic mm -hmm. because this just, those are, aren't things that he would even grasp as a six year old. But, um, but, you know, I think the main thing for him is that he has noticed schedule changes. Mm -hmm. So he is a very routine 
uh, little guy. And so his questions are, have been, where are we going today? And nowhere, nowhere. We're (laughs) here again. And so fortunately he is a bit of a homebody. He loves, he loves being at home and playing with things that are very familiar to him. Mm -hmm. And, um, I try to keep my home as structured as possible and always have the things available to him that he may want and need. And of course need, but, um, yeah, it's just people are sick. And so we're being very careful, uh, in doing our part to, to make sure that we don't get sick and make right. others sick. Exactly. And so he's, he seems to, I mean that he can wrap his head around. Yeah. And I've sort of done a, a similar thing with my daughter. Um, she won't understand the meaning of COVID-19 either. And in fact, I think if I talk about that too much, it would become confusing or even scary to her, which is not the idea of explaining things. So, you right. know, parents and caregivers know their individual best. And I think it's really important they look at themselves as the expert for understanding how much or little information to give. Um, when explaining this, but I think you brought up a good point. You know, it's just talking about, you know, things are going to be different for a little while. Here's what we're going to do to help and contribute in our way. We're not going to go to the stores like usual. And, and then it brings up the whole, you mentioned schedule again in the, in the article that I wrote, there's several links to um, being able to, you know, help. Uh, there's some websites to help write out a visual schedule Um or you can even write it on a piece of paper if that helps and have your child check them off. But I think, you know, it works for typical kids and the whole family as well. If you sort of have things listed for your day, establishing that new routine and agenda is really important during this time. So everybody feels a a sense of stability. And then you brought up about what can we do so that we're not, um, we're not contributing to people getting sick. And I think this is a great time to be practicing our hygiene and hand washing you know, I will say that Annie has had hand washing in her IEP ever since she's had one because yeah. it's not one of her strong suits, but there are some really great um, apps and I, I made, I used an app and again, this is also a link in the article, but I, Annie loves the song Close to You by the Carpenters. And so if you click on this app, you can put in your song and it will print out a visual schedule for hand washing with the words to your favorite song. And I have a home, I don't have a home laminator, but 3M makes these lamination sheets that you literally just open up, put in your paper, and then you take off the seal part and kind of squish it down and it it becomes a laminated sheet. And so now I can hang that in our bathroom and we can sing her favorite song and make sure she's using appropriate hand washing techniques and for the right amount of time. That's so great. I think, yeah, there's some creative things you can do. You know, we've worked so hard. I know a lot of schools work really hard on fist bumps um, or high fives for praise. And now we want to start practicing elbow bumps. Um, so, you know, the, we can kind of make these into games and sort of more interesting activities rather than saying, Oh no, we can't do this again. you always want to have that positive spin on it and an encouragement to it so that they they want to try say hey the new thing is now elbow bumps where's your elbow and you know you can you can sing um, songs with that and um, you know put your left foot in put your elbow in that <laughs> you know whatever yeah. you need to do to kind of make it um, interesting and and uh, creative but but make it sort of become part of the new norm for them absolutely. No, that's great. Yeah. And I think they, they really respond. There's a couple of like even YouTube videos that are out there and just, you know, not only practicing good hygiene, um, 
but also just overall movement. Just like mm-hmm. there's, my son is a, a part of, um, I guess a movement class that they have when he goes to school and it's a, a dance company that goes to a school and they have even put out different resources like little movement classes on YouTube. So I think a mm-hmm. lot of the places that you see out there are, are doing things that are video based. They have YouTube channels yes. now. And so people are trying to find those workarounds that people can still stay active, still learn in their home environment, which I think is absolutely awesome. Absolutely. And uh, that's another thing. Um, movement and exercise in general, I think, is really important to maintain during all of this. Most of our kids have some sort of sensory um, needs, and that includes gross and fine motor skills. And um, so thinking about, you know, if can you go out in your driveway or your neighborhood where there aren't a lot of people and do some things like going for short walks or a bike ride or using your scooter. Um, one of my family's favorite songs is the cha-cha slide and there's a link to it in my article, but it is a wonderful kind of fun song that you can involve the whole family. And it's about following the words in the, um, in the song. So it talks about clap your hands and do the cha-cha and put your right foot forward and your left foot back. And so it, it's sort of a Simon says kind of thing, but to a fun beat. And so I think really being creative kind of going back to some of the things that maybe you did when your kids were toddlers and, you know, they were developing um, just milestones for your, your children. These are things that you can come back to that still provide comfort and stability to our kids and still make it fun and get them moving and kind of get them um, back into some things that they're familiar with because there's so much unfamiliar right now. I think talking about things that um, they are aware of or that do stay the same. We're still going to have our exercise. We're still going to brush our teeth. We still have to do our chores. That can also provide um, some stability when there's so much unknown. Yeah, absolutely. I've even seen videos of people and we've, and we've done it before. We haven't done it this week, but absolutely like creating little obstacle courses Mm -hmm. within their home themselves, you know, like using pillows as little jumping stones or, or whatever. And I think that, you know, just it's sometimes it can be difficult for adults that we get so stuck in our adult based routines to really kind of go back to have that kid like mindset. And, um, and why, why not be, kids for a while, you know, like just absolutely absolutely just get down on their level and really just have fun with it. Yeah. And you know, I think that these, like we have to look for some of the silver linings in times like these. And I think looking at this as an opportunity to reconnect, even though everything is, you know, a little bit out of our, our normal routine and what we're all used to, I think looking at this as a time to say, Hey, I'm going to use this as a time to reconnect with them and, and get back into those um, fun modes that we used to do or when we had time. Everybody's so busy these days. And I think this is a, a hard reminder, but a good reminder on how to go back to some of the basics with things. So you're absolutely right. Think about board games and um, some of the things that you, you know, we grew up with before we had videos and electronics and that kind of thing. Those are all really good, um, sort of the basic kind of stuff that you want to reteach to your kids and use as um, 
as a resource. Uh, sensory, as I mentioned, um, is an important thing. My daughter loves sensory bins. So we have a lentil bin and we have one with pasta and we have one with rice. And one of my suggestions is to make those into a treasure hunt and you can hide like little, you know, figurines or erasers, nothing that's you know, a choking hazard, obviously, you need to know your kids. And But if you put a scoop in there and you kind of dig things in and you can make a list or a, a visual um, sort of checklist for them to try and find the objects, you know, things like that are just, they're good um, uses of time that kind of provide that sensory input for a calming um, and give them something to do. Sure, it might be a little messy, but we got to kind of roll with it, right? Yeah. And as many of us are, uh, you know, since we're not going out and eating in restaurants, we're mm -hmm. in the kitchen and probably more than, than we have within the last few weeks. And so now is the time, like if you're, if you're going to be making pasta for dinner, you know, pull them into that and try to let them, Hey, you know what? It's, it might be messy, but now is, is a great time to, to have them put the, you know, kind of teach, have even like science lessons yeah, or absolutely. things like that um, during that time. And so the next kind of bullet point that I saw in here and, and it's, and I even mentioned this when my son was interrupting me, it's like the, the no screen time period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a challenge, I think, for, um, for mm -hmm. a lot of us. And especially at this time when so many of us are finding ourselves glued to the computer, glued to the TVs, um, rightly so because we're trying to find updated information. Um, but just maybe even having those scheduled times where it's like, okay, even if it's for an hour, mm -hmm. we're going to shut down everything, no electronics, and we're just, we're, we're just going to unplug and, right. uh, and reconnect. And you're right, like that is a really hard thing to do right now. You know, I'm guilty of it myself um, personally and with my daughter. It's easier to for us all to be kind of doing our own thing. And uh, But I do think, you know, with so much news on, and I think it's important for parents and caregivers to remember that even if you don't think that your child or adult is listening to the news that's on, they do hear it in the background. And I'll tell you what, Annie absolutely absorbs everything that's on yeah. TV and, um, and hears it in the background. And so those are, those are things that can contribute to added stress that we may not need and for ourselves as caregivers. So I think by having that time, you know, we call it quiet time in my house. It is about an hour where everybody gets to go without any devices they can go into their room or whatever their fun space is. They can take a nap. They can, um, you know, play a game. They can read a book. They can do something, but it has to be device-free. And um, I think it's important that we, we model that as, as a caregiver and parent, but, but we also explain to our, our children how important it is, uh, especially because we're very dependent on our devices right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And when you do use your device, let's say, uh, you know, my my mom, uh, Alex's nana, doesn't mm -hmm. live in the same city that we live in, and um, and so even some of those people that may be in um, in some of the more consistent routines for our kiddos, if it's something as simple as like FaceTime, 
you know, with, with those individuals, even teachers or, or their little friends, you know, maybe yep. even pull someone in on a FaceTime call and, Absolutely. and connect that way. Yeah, same thing with Annie. She's very close to my parents, Graham and Pop, who live about three hours away. So we actually have a regular um, kind of consistent schedule almost every night with FaceTiming them. So for her, that because we're continuing to do that, that provides that needed consistency that she needs. But I think, um, you know, what I've seen is, so she has been asking for um, one of her brothers who's in college and, um, you know, in process of coming home but um but right now she wants to facetime him i've had um cousins offer to call her and read her a book uh so there's lots of different yeah there's lots of different ways that you can use our electronics to a kind of a teaching level right and in a different way to stay in touch i'm just trying to teach her how to text with my parents um obviously you want to have a lot of control over the devices and and who they're in touch with but for, for Annie, uh, because she can read and write and spell now, I'm trying to get her to be able to understand what texting and, and messaging is. And so a safe way to teach that is with my parents. And um, so that's kind of a new skill that she'll gain during all of this, right? Yeah, So absolutely. you're right. Keeping in touch. And I think for us as caregivers, it's important we do the same thing. Maybe at the end of the day, we can do that um, for our own mental health and sanity when our kids are in bed make sure you touch base with your friends, whether it's a quick phone call. And, you know, I get caught up with texting a lot because many of us don't have time to speak. But I think right now it's really important that we make that extra step for connection. Yeah, you're exactly right. Now more than ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that actually several people have reached out to me about, and um, and it's been a concern for me as well, with a lot of the places closing down, especially our schools, there are, you know, just when we think our, our kiddos are, are making such great progress, then will there be a regression in a lot of those things that they were showing such positive momentum yeah. with? Yeah. And I think that we just, we have to expect this, Yes, I guess. And that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. It's really hard. I think it's really disappointing as a parent when you fight so hard also for services and then they're all put on hold. Um, We know even you can see it even in summer breaks that your kids will have regression and kind of maybe lose some skills or behaviors will spike up. Right now, I think every parent of an individual who has autism, whether they're a child or an adult, should expect some regression and probably an increase in behaviors. And I think it's so important for us as parents to go back to some of those basics that you learned um, when your kids first were diagnosed and the doctors and, and therapists have been teaching you about applied behavior analysis, ABA therapy, the, the basics of um, you know ignoring behaviors that you don't want to see, um, praising your child for the behaviors you do want to see. It should be a five to one praise to negative. So for every one thing that you say that you don't like about them, you need to have five positives Mm. that you do like. And so that's being really creative at a time when they might be acting out. Right. And then thinking about some of those things, like, so the visual schedules that we've talked about and writing things down is one technique using first then first then is a big thing for my daughter Mm -hmm. when she's not understanding you know I I can say first 
um, vacuum than will have iPad or because her whole schedule is different in the day. You can even talk about it in terms of, you know, the larger picture. I, I printed out a, a calendar for her of March and I wrote no school, no school, no school, no school on the days that I know she doesn't have school. And I have her X those off at the end of every day. So she sees school will be coming. And I say first calendar, then school, right? And so she understands first we got to get through those no school days then we'll have school. Now, granted, we don't know for sure if school is going to be coming back in two weeks. If it doesn't, I'm going to just extend that idea of that visual support for her. Sure. But I think it's really important to go back to some of these um, fundamentals. And for parents who are just starting off, there's some great tips um, and free toolkits on autismspeaks.org uh, for, for their, um, they have ton of free resources. There's a lot of ABA websites. And again, there's a lot of links in my article, but it's really important to go back to some of these basic strategies to be able to handle and just sort of get through this time with increased behaviors and regressions. Definitely expected. Definitely don't think anything's wrong with your child or adult. I think this is a part of the you know human process. All of us are going to be um, experiencing this to some degree, and we see it manifest as regression a lot of times with our, our individuals with autism. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of funny, and just to kind of make a comedic note on this, um, from the regression standpoint, I was speaking to a friend, and she said, just when I thought that I was on the right track with my diet. Yep. <laughs> ah, exactly. That's so true. And you're absolutely right. Look, it applies to us, right? Yeah. You're, you, you could be on your diet or your workout routine, and then everything, you know, breaks yeah. loose, and there's nothing that you can rely on when everything has to change. That's exactly what it feels like for our kiddos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. Great so, point. yeah, it's just, you know, we will have some sense of normalcy, yeah. um, hopefully sooner than later. But for right now, let's just live in the moment and adapt as we need to. Yeah, yeah. And I think the last part of this that I would um, say is, and we started with it about talking about for caregivers and parents to stay calm and and seem at least to appear reassured. Um, taking care of yourself is absolutely one of the most important things that you can do right now. And it's really easy to say that and really difficult to practice it. Yeah, I think, you know, if there is a way that you can find 15 minutes a day to have some peace, to either do some mindfulness or, or exercise or go for that walk, um, do something for yourself where, and maybe it's reaching out to a friend just to say, boy, I really had a hard day. You know, I think we have to be able to put that, it's the whole, you know, flight thing, put that mask on for yourself first before you can take care of everyone else in your household. And it's really essential we do that right now. I did on the, in my article list, one of my favorite um, mindfulness apps is called 10% Happier. And um, it's a great book and they have a great app with, um, you know, mindfulness and meditation um, segments that are short or long. You can pick your time, but they're offering free um, free webinars right now or uh, podcasts to listen to oh, that I great. find are very soothing. And they're specific to the uncertainty right now of this whole COVID-19 um, pandemic. So I think it's important, you know, I'd take advantage of it while it's free, but there's a, a ton of other kinds of apps out there for families to, to listen to. Some of them are even possible, you know, for you to do with your child um, or your whole family. So I think considering things like that to, to really be mindful of your own 
mental health and taking care of yourself is really essential right now. That's great. And uh, something that I do with my son, and I, I did this even you know, before all of this craziness started is um, if your child is able to do so, if you are having, let's say, a sit-down dinner or, or whatever, or you're finding that those 10 minutes of the day where you are trying to be mindful, I always ask my son, uh, usually when it's, I pick him up from school, Name three of your favorite things that you did today. Yeah, we do the same thing in my family. I, I, I even start with just name one happy thing that happened. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just one. Yeah, because I just think start that, with one, man. Oh, yeah. And sometimes, yeah. even myself, I've caught myself, oh, my gosh, mm. what is that one thing that Me I too. Am? Me too. And sometimes yeah. it's, uh, I laugh with people because I'm a, I'm a list person. I like the feeling of having something checked off. You and, and I are the same. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, yeah. And so sometimes it is literally putting take a shower on yeah. that list and just right. being able to like check something off. That's right. Absolutely. And our kids feel that same sense of accomplishment when they can do that same thing. And I think, again, it's modeling what you want to see in your child. So when you say, boy, you know, I had kind of a rough day, but one good thing that happened was X, Y, Z, you know, yes. then they're going to be able to do that as well. And again, if you, if you have a child who's more nonverbal, like my daughter, maybe it's pointing to a picture or describing something or bringing down, you yeah. know, pulling out a project that they made or something, you know, think, think about how you can relate that to them and have them communicated in a way that, uh, works for them, but it's the same principle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. what's one of the things that I guess as as moving forward, you know, as we're we're looking there, there could be states of lockdown and and things mm -hmm. like that. What is one thing that, as far as the Devro um, Center, like, how are you guys adapting to all of this that's going <laughs> yeah. on? Yeah, Devereaux, um, we are a very large uh, mental and behavioral health provider in, like I said, 13 states. Um, we have 15 centers, and we serve tens of thousands of individuals every year in and out of all of our service lines. We've done a phenomenal job, I think, in response to helping our families, but also um, we have a lot of uh, access to resources for the community at large. So we have on our national web page, which is Devereux, D-E-V-E-R-E-U-S.org, um, you will see a COVID-19 national web page that has a ton of resources for the community. So there are things like um, my article there on how for families to cope. There are things like um, talking with your typical kids. Uh, access to utilities and providers who are extending. So for instance, if you don't have access to Wi-Fi or a cell phone, there are providers that are actually offering these things now to help you keep in touch. We have those listed there. Um, we have center-specific web pages for all of our centers in all 13 states so that their own specific web page talks about what's going on at their state level. We have a family caregiver Facebook page that's for, for caregivers and families only, um, and you have to join. But for your state, if you are a Devereaux family member, 
Um, and then we also have 800 numbers at, listed for all of our centers as well for families to be able to call or even providers if you need to, but to be able to call to get some assistance. So I would encourage you to look at our main webpage um, and we continue every day to update that page with the, the most current resources from all over. We're just trying to consolidate them into one place so that everyone in the community has access to them. That's awesome. It's yeah, so it's a, needed. a remarkable job by our team, I have to say. I'm so proud to work for Deborah. Yeah. Well, great yeah. job. We're giving you a high five and encouraging awesome. you. I'm along giving you the an way. elbow bump. <laughs> well, that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> um, good point. So, well, Amy, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And um, and please know that you have the support of my autism tribe in all of your efforts uh, today and always. And um, thanks for being a part of my autism tribe and sharing your time with us, too. You've given us a lot of things to think about and um, a lot of great information and resources. And so we appreciate that. Susan, thank you so much for inviting me and Devereaux into your autism tribe. We're happy to be a member. Uh, this is a hard journey, but one that's, you know, um, so rewarding in the end. And I think if we all stick together, we're going to just do fine. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Just sticking right. together and lifting each other up. Please know that I'm thinking about everyone out there. I'm lifting you up, sending virtual hugs, high fives, fist bumps, you name it. Now more than ever, we have to be in this together. It's an emotional time for everyone, and I do hope that if you need someone to listen to, that you please reach out. Send me a message on any of our social platforms. Send me an email. I want to make sure that all platforms are open and available to you. If I can't personally assist you, I'll make sure that I find someone that can. You're not alone. You never have been, nor will you ever be. Thanks so much for being a part of my autism tribe. Hang in there and I'll see you next week.